0: And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews, brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM.
1: Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates the men and women who are making Coastal Mississippi such an amazing place to live, work, and play. Hey, look, one of the things I focus on on Coast View on a, on a regular basis uh, is to say, you know, we we need to always stay focused on our first responders Just, you know it, it, generally we need to be focused on our first responders because they're there helping us stay safe and protecting us uh, certainly, with in you know this hurricane season, it's important. Um, obviously, in the in the midst of the the COVID situation, you know they've got an incredibly important role to play. But we cannot talk to enough of our leaders and the first responder sort of you know universe of coastal Mississippi. I I can't tell you how much it is how important it is to me. And you know this from listening to the show. Uh, early in my life, uh, I was in pre med, and before that, I was uh, paramedic and went to the university. Of Alabama and Birmingham, and became an advanced paramedic. Worked as a paramedic as a, for a few years, and um, eventually changed my major. You know, went on to get my MBA. Did an internship at the Sun Herald. The rest is history. But anyway, I am thrilled today to have the new. Uh, Chief of the fire department in Biloxi, Chief Nicholas Geyser. Uh, I we talked before the show. I'm going to call him Nick. He that's what he wants me to call him. But Chief Geyser is newly appointed. He was he was um, he was sort of uh, positioned by Mayor Fofo Gillish. He was approved by the city council. He's only 41 years old. has a He's a Biloxi native, and I look forward to sharing his story. But anyway, welcome to the show,
2: Nick. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: So let's, let's kind of start with it. First of all, let me say this, that we're recording this show on Wednesday. This is last Wednesday. It's playing on Monday. We recorded last Wednesday. The reason why it's so far in advance is because I wanted to spend a full hour with you, and this was the first hour segment that we had. And, uh, of course, since we are doing it last Wednesday, we don't really know what the uh, – what the tropical situation is. As of now, it does appear the storm is going to go into uh, somewhere along the panhandle of Florida, but you know who knows? But the, the important message here is that people just need to be prepared during the tropical system. You guys stay on on guard as it, as it relates to the tropical system, don't you?
2: Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So previous to me taking over the director role here, um, I was the city emergency manager uh, and training chief. So um, I'm very very well aware of the uh, tropics, and in fact, I'm I'm still kind of filling the role uh, while we we fill positions and backfill from you know vacated spots. Uh, so right now, I'm kind of keeping my eye on the uh, tropics, staying in con- contact with Harrison County uh, Matt Stratton over there in the EOC, um, and just you know I'm still getting all the emails, getting ready, and and uh, uh, just making everybody aware that yeah we've got somewhat of a possibility of a storm, maybe.
1: Yeah. Matt Matt's a good dude, man. I I've really enjoyed getting to know him. Here's a guy who was in military, who who uh, was a meteorologist, and now he lands w- in the E.O.C. in Harrison County. We're we're lucky to have him, aren't we?
2: Oh, he's a he's a pleasure to work with. Rupert Rupert uh, was great to work with. Um, you know the war stories that Rupert could share, um, and you know Matt by uh, by education as a meteorologist. So he drink brings a. Uh, a whole different aspect from what Rupert brought, but I think Rupert taught him well. And, mm-hmm. uh, and Matt is is an enjoyable uh, guy to, to speak with and, and go back and forth on possibilities because he, he knows how to kind of read some things that uh, none of the rest of us have been trained on for the most part
1: yeah, so listen, Nick, it's awesome that you have joined us today. Again, I'm really looking forward to sh- 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 uh, sort of sharing your story with the listeners. Before we get into growing up in Biloxi and going to Southern Miss and all the things that you've done, um i want to I want to focus just for a second on just kind of what's in your head right now. I mean, you know you're, you're, this 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 move to become chief happened kind of quick and uh, I know you've had ambitions along the way, but it happened kind of quick so now you're in that. you have to pinch yourself you know I'm actually in this seat now
2: yeah yes yes sir uh, I, I find myself on several occasions uh in my mind preparing a uh, a convincing argument to uh you know bring to the chief uh to to get funding <laughs> for this or funding for that and and then I have to remind myself that hey you know i I'm convincing myself at this point um so you know it's it's kind of it's one of those things like you do internally uh, when you're going to buy a new car do i really need it do i uh do we will it will it make things better for the guys and girls that work for us or is it going to you know how is it going to affect the community and the citizens uh so it's it's definitely a transition uh it it, it seems like it's been a whirlwind uh, since um you know, especially last Tuesday when the vote came in, um, lots a lot of things are going on. Budget talks. Um, you know, it's it's a lot of things to learn in a short amount of time.
1: I make no um, apologies for it, and uh, and I'm proud to be able to say it. But I'm a big fan of Fufu Gillich. Have been for a long time. I've known him for a, a very very long time. I married Ann Bohanovich, You know, from the Bahanevich uh, clan on the on the point. And uh, you know, just really uh, glad to have gotten to know him long before he became the mayor. But you know, he's a smart guy. You're gonna you're gonna love working closely with him. I know you guys already work closely together, but in this new role, you get a chance to just work really closely with him. And uh, you're you're gonna you're gonna get a kick out of that because he's just a terrific leader, isn't he?
2: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I've known him for quite some time. Me and his son uh, are the same age. Uh, his son would have graduated from Ocean Springs. I graduated from Biloxi, but we all knew each other ran in the same circles. Um, I still see him. Uh, I see Andy and his wife and know their children. They all go to the same dance studio with my, uh, uh, with my daughters. And, um, you know, and I've always known Mr. Fofo, um, you know, coming in the lumber yard that that was family owned that I worked at for years and years. And, um, uh, but yes, it, it's enjoyable, uh, having somebody like that leading the city.
1: Well, he's got a great mind, as you well know. Yes, sir. <laughs> he when he goes in to solve problems, he's he's using literally computer code in his in his brain. So he's <laughs> he's thinking way ahead of most people. And you know, I tell you where I most got impressed with him is that when we went to the you know the the Sylvonian golf tournament that that's held every year. Uh, Many years ago, I remember there might have been five or six hundred people in the room. And I I was sitting there with my wife and we said hello to Fofo and then he kind of moved on and I watched him. And I said this when I had an hour-long session with him. He literally knew everyone in the room. Literally knew everyone in the room. And, uh, you know, he's got this great memory. So, so just good leader to have, and, you know, you're going to do well as well. So, what's interesting about you is you got a double major in business management and accounting. That's come in handy in your roles, hasn't
2: it? Yes, sir. Yes. Um, You know, it served me well uh, moving up through the ranks, and, um, you know, now that I'm here, uh, where go- governmental accounting is a little bit different than your day to day accounting. Uh, you know, I think governmental factors into about one, one semester, three hours of, uh, of your accounting side of things. Um, so you don't really get, I mean, you delve into it, but it's not like living it like I'm trying to have to, uh, learn real quick here. So, um, but there's great people throughout the city. I have conversations with, um, you know, our contracts manager, our purchasing agent, uh, uh, Diana over there and uh, accounting and payroll and finance. And I mean, there, I could name, you know, uh, several more that, that have already given me input and advice on how to work this, this, uh, navigate the budget talks.
1: Yeah, there's a lot. You saved grace over a really large budget. Uh, I know that from from the prior chief and the time that we've spent together. What I want to do in this conversation, uh, we're, we're getting closer to the break. When we co- when we get when we get on the other side of the break, what I want to do is kind of start from the beginning. I want to rebuild. You know, you know what it was like growing up in Biloxi. And you obviously went to Biloxi High. You went, to, as I mentioned, Southern Miss. By the way, to the top. I'm a Southern Miss uh, graduate myself. As is everyone in my family, except for my son, my renegade son, who went to Auburn, and uh, and he's the only one who doesn't live in coastal Mississippi. He lives in New York and works for Price Waterhouse in New York. But, but anyway, yeah. So we'll we'll kind of go through all of that. I want to I want to you you have a really uh, you came into the department in 2004 and of course Katrina hits in 2005 so most of your experience I it'd be interesting because you sort of end up working your way into the role of Alexi emergency manager but I would bet that the Katrina experience probably had a profound absolute profound impact on you going through that so we're, we're going to walk through that as well this is the fire chief for the Blexi fire department uh, chief Nicholas Geiser and when we come back we'll continue our conversation
0: Coast View on Supertalk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I-10 Exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Supertalk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1.
1: Welcome back to Coast View. We have the fire chief for the city of Biloxi, Chief Nicholas Geyser with us today. And uh, what we're going to do, we kind of kind of live his life for a second. I want to, for sure, we're going to talk about how Katrina impacted his life because he, he joined the fire department in July of 2004 as a firefighter. And then ultimately, you know, obviously the next year, Katrina hits and it changed everything for him and it changed so much for the city. But before we do that, let's just talk real briefly about growing up in Biloxi or Biloxi, where, where what community were you raised in?
2: So I was in uh, West Biloxi, uh, born and raised right uh, in Tanglewood subdivision out by Fatima Church. Um, you know, I, I, I knew nothing else other than that little area. In fact, my parents still live in that area. Um, not the same house that I grew up in. Of course, they, uh, as soon as me and my older brother moved out, they built a bigger house. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but no, I went to Pops Ferry Elementary right there around the corner from uh, where I lived. Went to Fernwood for uh, middle school. And then went to uh, Biloxi High uh, yeah. for, for my high school education. Tell,
1: tell me about your parents.
2: Uh, well, my dad, um, Eddie Geyser, he um, he is a uh, carpenter by trade. Um, he, uh, he married my mom, uh, Julia, back – they were high school sweethearts. Um, they uh, graduated 71 from Biloxi High and I think got married in 74 um after mom did a uh, a fast track through uh southern myths, uh to get her uh, uh teaching degree uh education um so she went to work at at beauvoir and uh right there around the corner really from the house that they bought um so they they're uh you know still happily married after i think if i do the correct math around 47 years um You know, we still eat dinner with them every Friday night. Uh, Love the the three grandkids that I gave them. Um, And, uh, you know, it's just uh, an enjoyable thing to to be able to have them right here with us.
1: You know, it's interesting because firefighters often have sort of other skills that they do when they're off. You know, I'm just curious. Your dad was a carpenter. Did you develop some carpenter skills of your own?
2: Well, you know, Dad was, uh, you know, much quicker at it. So a lot of times when uh, we would try to, I guess you'd call it, assist him with a project, um, you know, a lot of times it resigned us to holding this so he could do the, <laughs> do the, do the work. Now, Dad ended up stepping out. He worked for J.O. Collins and he worked for Lloyd Moon before I was born. Uh, right there before I was born, um, my uncle, Roy Andrews, who uh, had Biloxi lumber, I reached out to my dad. His uncle, um, Uncle Roy's uncle, was retiring. He needed a a partner to help run the business and knew my dad knew the uh, woodworking uh, trade. So he reached out to my dad, I think it was around 78, and um, we ended up becoming partners in the business. Uh, uh, You know, my dad married Julia. Roy married uh, Carol. Both were Soche girls with, uh, you might know, Soche Brothers Roofing. Um, Yeah. So, you know, that, that kept it all in the family. So me growing up, I didn't actually do much carpentry unless it was something right there at the house. Um, but I was a salesman at, at the lumberyard. Every summer once I hit 15, I was a delivery man, salesman, whatever you want to call me, a uh, uh, helper there. Um, and that was actually, like you said, firemen had side jobs. That was my side job uh, even when I joined the fire department
1: that's that's so interesting though you know it's always interesting to see the impact your parents have on you and you know some some you know get into the family business some are just inspired by uh you know being taught a, a strong work ethic and how important education is your mother being a teacher and all um you know it's it, 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 all the dots connect in a way it's really interesting that you know your parents really did inspire you to try to try to get the most out of life that you could get didn't they
2: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My mom, uh, of course being, uh, she bounced around a couple, Mm -hmm. she was in sixth grade, first grade, second grade throughout her career. Um, but you know, it was, it was never, uh, it was never an option to kind of do a, uh, uh, half job on it. If if for lack of a better term, uh, it was always expected to, uh, and, and it wasn't just me. It was my older brother and my younger brother. Uh, she pushed us to be the best that we could be and, um, you know, instilled us to always continue uh, learning, um, you know, where dad, dad was the one that always uh, was the more laid back. He, he, you know, more went with the flow. So he kind of taught us that, you know, to be flexible and, and that sort of thing. So they were they, uh, for lack of a better term, perfect parents for uh, us three boys. I'll put it that way.
1: Well, that's, that's awesome to be able to look back on it the way that you do and be so complimentary about it. I'm not surprised because behind, behind every really good leader, you you have Usually parents that taught you some good values in life and taught you to work hard and taught you the value of education and all that. Obviously, you got you and your brothers got that from your parents. Um, you moved up through the organization of the fight of the, when you joined in July 2004 as a firefighter. One, you became a firefighter, two, then a firefighter, three, then a fire captain. You, you ultimately became the deputy chief of training. You became the Blexi emergency manager. You became the chief of management. I can only imagine the amount of training that you had along the way. But coming back to July 2004, you joined it. We have no idea. Of course, we had a busy hurricane season that season, and we got several scares that season. But little did we know that probably the most significant... Life-changing event was going to happen one year later. How did? Tell me first of all about your Hurricane Katrina experience, and then we'll sort of you know transition into how it really changed the course of history for you.
2: Um, yes, sir. So you know, uh, being a, a lifelong Biloxi resident with parents that have always lived here, you always heard it would never be any worse than Camille, and they always gave you the benchmarks to look for. Um, you know, it was always, um, you know, uh, Camille was the worst we'll ever see. It devastated the community, It devastated the entire Gulf coast. Um, so as I, I remember I was a newlywed, I got married in June of, of 05. Um, so, uh, roll into August. We were just trying to get our, our feet settled and, uh, start our new lives. Um, you know, I just made my year anniversary in July and um, we were, in fact, buying a house in Biloxi in North Haven subdivision. Um, you know, my wife worked at Biloxi schools, uh, so it just made sense. Everything was working out perfect. And then I went in to work on Friday, and there was Katrina on the other side of Florida, on the east off the east coast of Florida. Um, I remember uh, our captain, our battalion chief, um, going down to the staff meeting, and there was as the meeting was kind of ending, I remember one of them telling us, they asked, you know, what about that storm? And the director at the time said, I'm not worried about that storm right now. So, well, we all know that it hit three days later, um, and, and just devastated us. And, um, you know, it was, it, it, it formed, uh, a sense it, it basically formed the rest of my career when that storm hit, um, I was with a great captain, great crew, great battalion chief. Uh, I mean, I couldn't have asked for any better spot. The work that we did was so meaningful. Um, you know, you got a sense that what you had hired on to do and what you were were doing at the time and in the future was, um, you know, what you were put here to do.
1: Um, so, hey, what location were you at during the storm?
2: So I was right here at, at Station One on Porter Avenue. So mm-hmm. uh, we we were called in early on Sunday evening. Uh, you know, we uh, the way the fire department works is when a storm like that is approaching. Uh, I was a sea shifter, um, so we were scheduled to be on duty Monday for the storm because of the the time frame with the storm uh, coming. They always call in the oncoming and leave the leave the. Shift in position. So we came in at 6:45 Sunday evening. Um, I actually being low man on the totem pole. Uh, volunteered. We always heavily staff our our, our engines and our truck trucks. So I jumped in with the B shift crew to bring that total staffing on that engine to a uh, a six man crew where normally we we're running four men. Um, you know, we ran calls throughout the night. In fact, we were ran one what is now the Doubletree at the end of uh, Hopkins down at 90. It used to be uh, Gulfview Towers, I think it was. Um, and it was apartments instead of a hotel. So, uh, you know, of course, the power was out. We saw all the flooding. In fact, the water had already come up Hopkins to an extent where you couldn't get to the the South Drive, uh, kind of where the pool is now. Um, we ran it, checked it out, and that was pretty much uh, the last call, and I want to say it was around 4.15 a.m. in the in the morning. Um, and it was basically the fire alarm was just going off, all the strobes were going off, but it was due to no power being to the building. Um, you know, from that point, we have to go into basically a no-go once the winds get to a certain amount, just too dangerous. And, um, you know, we, we built through that. and Then we were released at 3 p.m. that afternoon to go do what we needed to do.
1: Yeah. I'm talking to the, the fire chief for the city of Alexia, and we're talking about the, uh, the Katrina experience and how that impacted him. When we come back
0: on the other side, we'll pick the story up right, from right there. See you after this break. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgolfcoast.com. And now, it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Supertalk 103.1 FM.
1: Welcome back to Coast You know, I'm honored to have these opportunities to talk to first responders across coastal Mississippi. And today I have the uh, fire chief for the city of Biloxi, Chief Nicholas Geyser. And uh, Nick, what Nick was doing when we went to break, he was, we're beginning to sort of get deep into the Hurricane Katrina experience. So, uh, Nick, why don't you pick it up from where you left off?
2: So, yes, right. You know, know, we had basically made it through the storm. You know, our director at the time, David Roberts, had released us. Uh, We had had uh, only communications with our our two stations on the east end of town, Um, you know, was that they had received at least six feet of water. Um, You know, they were trapped, not trapped in a sense of in the building, but engines had gone under, all their vehicles had gone underwater. They had citizens that had walked up or waded up in the water. They were all either on top of the engines or in the fireboat. So uh Chief cut us loose. Um the crew that I was with uh started making our way to station three, which is backed by uh the IP um and by Gornflow School. Um so we started and and you know, as we made our way and our crew was cutting our way through trees and and uh, the lines were all down you started realizing the devastation the houses that had floated into the middle of the road um, at one point we ended by ended up on rain by seven seas marine and had to turn around because all the boats that were in their boatyard were were stacked like uh pixie sticks uh or or pickup sticks um sitting there over the road um and there was just no way to cut our way through so we had to backtrack and go um go around and there were times where being a lifelong resident of biloxi i didn't know what street i was on at the time because the landscape had been changed so quick and so fast and you didn't have your typical landmarks um so once we secured our 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 firefighters and got those citizens to safety and to shelters um it began a search and rescue mission i mean immediately we were directed to uh hit certain spots throughout the area um you know, of course, we did run across a, uh, uh, the deceased that had, had, you know, died during the storm or, or you know, uh, drowned, however it had happened. Um, you know, and it was, it was eye-opening um, and very uh, it, forming, I would say, for a young firefighter. Um, there were several of us. That was in the time where we were hiring several people uh, big, large groups. So it wasn't just me. There was several others that, uh, you know, it wasn't something that we had really uh, been exposed to, other than you know a cardiac arrest here or there through a, through our short career. Um, and this was kind of a thrown into the gauntlet. And here you are, do the work that you're trained to do, and and you just you know had to put on your big boy pants and keep going.
1: Well, what's interesting, uh, and what's sort of tragic about the storm, it wasn't just that you guys, as as you know, sort of new to the department, out there in the midst of this, the worst natural disaster in American history. And having to sort of take it all in and grow up fast, I I might add. I mean, just the the wisdom you're gaining rapidly is just incredible. But it was during the storm. I remember we stayed at our house on Back Bay and had waves hitting our house. And, you know, we didn't know if we were going to make it through. And I remember listening. I don't know if it was an emergency channel or if it was maybe through WLOX at the time. We had a a a battery-powered TV. But people were calling from the point. In their in their um, um, uh, attics, and you were having to tell them you couldn't come. I'm just curious that like the, the the there was a lot of tragedy during the storm that you had to watch unfold. And as a young fireman, you weren't able to go save people because you pointed out at one point you just had to cut it off and you couldn't go any further. That didn't mean that people weren't still begging for someone to still rescue them. How did that impact you?
2: Well, you know, when you sign up to the job, um, you pretty much take an oath to uh, for for life safety is uh, is the utmost priority. Um, so while you're sitting there, you feel helpless. Um, you feel like you're you're letting your community and, and the citizens down. Um, you know, so it's it's a it's a learning process, and that's why there is the uh, the the older generation to kind of guide you through because you know as a young uh fresh off the line ready to go uh ready to do this and that and you're invincible you need that older generation so it made you appreciate um you know and understand that hey these guys might be hard on you but it's for a reason um you know these times are hard but uh you know you, you grow you learn you get mentally strong um you know and, and You know, I don't want to say that it makes you um, emotionless, um, you know, because it was a a tough thing to choke down.
1: Yeah.
2: But it also does help you deal with it. It helped me deal with, you know, hey, um, yes, I I understand the two sides of this coin um, and I I hate it for them. But, you know, we can't put ourselves in the same situation uh, because we can't help them if we do.
1: You know what's interesting, after after Hurricane Katrina, yeah, you know, I was publisher, president publisher of the Sun Herald, you know, in, in before during and in, in the aftermath of, of Katrina. Uh, our team, Stan Tyner, who was the executive editor of the, uh, the Sun Herald at the time, and his incredible team, you know, our Sun Herald awarded a Pulitzer for our coverage. They went on a mission to tell the story of every single person who perished in the storm, every single person, because we wanted to understand better what decision did they make, what was it that was guiding them to decide to stay. Then they fit in a bunch of different categories. We won't get into that now, but you know, one of the things I wanted to, to, to do was to, and I'm sure it affected you too, because you ultimately became the emergency manager for the city. And that is, you know, when we say get out, when we, when we have these, you know, the flood zones and all these warnings and how we, you know, some people aren't paying attention. How we communicate with them, what is the message that we communicate to them, you know, just get, get better, at, at getting to those people who might be stubborn or might not have gotten the message. But I, I kind of went on a mission to understand that better. And I'm sure it had to have impacted you because it literally set the course for the rest of your career, didn't it?
2: Oh, no doubt. No doubt in my mind that um, if Katrina had not happened, I might not be where I'm I'm at now. So, And like I said, it was the most mean, meaningful work that I have, have done in my 17 years. I mean, you can't You can't replace the feeling of of helping somebody when they are at their greatest need. Um, But yes, it it formed me uh, watching the FEMA uh, teams, the USAR teams, come in Uh, from that. I am now part of the state Mississippi task force. Uh, I've got all the training to be able to deploy anywhere in the country and do search and rescue or swift water rescue, trench rescue, structural collapse. I mean, it's uh, you could go on for days on all the things that that come into play when you have a storm like Katrina roll through uh, it it also formed you know my my outlook on how things go um, you know in, in a progression in in a storm like that or any kind of natural disaster or even a man-made disaster um, that would come it it made me appreciate the the structure that's set forth uh, to to be able to to perform the task and keep everything organized. Cause if you don't, it it just things go awry and you can have people go missing or get hurt or, you know, God forbid, you know, deceased in in the course of minutes uh, if you're not on top of your, on top of stuff. So yes, it was very formative.
1: Well, it is interesting. You, you became a fire chief, you, I'm excuse me, a fire captain. You became the deputy chief of training and when you have an experience like you went through in Katrina, again, it's so formative and you, you couldn't say it any better than what you said up to this point. But it makes your what you say during that training so much more profound because you can say, look, here's, there's a fine line between the role that we play to save people and protect people and when maybe the situation becomes so critical that to try to save them at this stage of whatever that disaster might be, would put you at risk. And you're able to describe that you've been there, and it makes you a better trainer, doesn't it?
2: Oh yes, sir. As we get uh, as we get the younger generation in, um, they haven't really experienced several of uh, some of our new, you know, several of our new recruit classes have guys that um, or girls that don't remember. Um, 9/11 um, they barely remember Katrina and it's a it's a blip. Um, they just remember you know having to be outside and maybe not having air conditioning and you know watching their parents pick up the yard or having to move from their house that got got water or coming back and picking up toys so it's hard to uh, it's hard to relay to them but you know you can kind of tell them through your training and through your experience that, Look, guys, it's, there's no way to describe it. It's almost like having a, a, a baby. There is no way for my parents or any other parents to tell you how to raise that child. Um, you can only kind of guide them to what they need. Um, and and very, they're very receptive. They love uh, learning. And uh, nothing can replace real-world experience.
1: As there's no doubt uh, you got to be trained well, but then you got to go out there and you know get it in the in the um in the throes of the trenches, and that's the way you get better at what you do. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Chief Nicholas Geyser. He's the uh, fire chief for the city of Biloxi. I want to talk just so briefly about COVID, the latest on COVID in the fire department, what's the thought about the vaccine, etc., and then I want to just talk a little bit about going forward, so we'll, we'll, we'll be back with the final segment here in just a second. <laughs>
0: Listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, "Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast." Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1.
1: Welcome back to uh, Koshi. We're talking to the fire chief for the city of Biloxi, Nicholas Geyser. Chief Geyser, my friend, uh, he, he's fine with me calling him Nick, incidentally, but Nick uh, has a, such a great uh, background. It's been awesome sort of hearing your story and how Katrina impacted you. I can understand, as I was saying during the break, why you're such a good trainer. You've had great experience. But, you know, your mother was an educator. She taught you to communicate well. And to be a good communicator, you got to sort of know your audience and you obviously have done a good job with that hey listen I mentioned that we should chat just a little bit about the, the pandemic and more in particular, the Delta variant. You know, it seemed like when we came we came out of the pandemic, things were going really well. The Delta variant gets here. It's so much more contagious. Suddenly, the hospitals are full with unvaccinated people. And uh, I mean, it's kind of a scary place that we're in. And Dr. Dobbs said it could be another eight to 12 weeks. If you just do the exponential math on that, knowing that the hospital's are already full, then we're not in a good spot right now are we Chief?
2: no sir um you know we're doing the best that we can Uh, you can't force people to get vaccinated um you can always encourage as we do with our (laughs) our fire department um you can lead by example of course as soon as as it was available to uh to me um months back in march I, i i went got it our chief went and got it all of our command staff pretty much went and got it we encouraged. We we told them dates. We got uh, health department to come in here to us. Um, you know, we tried to make it uh, available to everybody. Um, I think the majority of our department has uh, has been good about it, getting the vaccination. Um, of course, you know, you've got to respect the uh, the op- opposing opinion um, on. You know, hey, I'm I'm just not doing it. I'll take my chances, and and that's their right. Uh, all that you can do is make it available to everybody and and give uh as much encouragement uh for them to to do what they feel is uh the most justified thing for them and their family
1: yeah i see i see uh where the where the chief of yachtsa busha county i can't i don't know if i'm saying that right died of uh, the uh the uh, the, uh, uh sheriff's department. Um, how are you? How are you? How are you doing in terms of of um, members of the of the fire department who have gotten COVID the Delta variant?
2: Um. So right now, um, we have been uh, currently our numbers are around 11 people are out. Um, now that is not all 11 positive. I think only about three are positive. So, um, you know, we we've been really proactive as far as trying to. Uh, uh, lock down the stations for, uh, you know, to limit public interaction. Of course, our guys are, are still running the emergency calls and we have not limited response to any call. Um, of course, we give them masks, we give them Tyvek suits, we give them face shields. Uh, we encourage them, especially on a reported COVID positive, you know, limit exposure uh, if it's not a life threatening uh, situation. Um, you know, send one person in to, to provide emergency medical care but don't expose the whole crew, um, you know, disinfect. We spend uh, a good amount of money on disinfectant and uh, the ability to, to do a quick and easy rapid deployment. That way we're, we're ready to respond at a moment's notice, and we aren't in that case where we get back to the station and it takes 30 minutes to disinfect the engine, but you get a call within five, we are at the point where we can disinfect an engine in about one or two minutes. So even if we get a call back-to-back, We are able to disinfect. And so you just take those those precautionary steps. And then, uh, you know, like I said, 11 are out, only three are positive. So we're doing the close contact. We're giving those people their time, you know, away, um, you know, to to determine whether they uh, and we've set good guidelines. Um, My ops chief is uh, great at at detailing how to uh, handle it. Um, we keep track of it. Um, we, we check on him. He's, uh, he's constantly in contact with them if they need anything and that sort of thing. And I, I think it's really helped, uh, you know, his efforts have been great. And, uh, me settling into this, I haven't done as much contacting like I want to. Um, uh, but he's really picked up the slack.
1: Yeah, that's, that's great to hear. Hey, look, um, when you got up this morning, as the new chief, what's the thing you look forward to the most
2: about your new job? Um, well, uh, particularly this morning, uh, the uh, Mike Leonard and uh, Mayor Fofo—they um, were very helpful yesterday. They uh, they signed off on a couple promotions that um, you know, one to replace the chief of training, uh, and one to uh, replace the battalion chief. So. Um, they, they they were great to work with. Uh, you know, they listened to me. Uh, they listened to my – give my spill on why these guys were the were the right fit for the right job. And, um, you know, so I was excited because one of those guys was on duty this morning up here at, at Station 1. So I was looking forward to, to, you know, seeing him face-to-face and congratulating him. Um, he was well-deserving. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's going to be a great asset running the training department, uh, you know, that – that I'll be able to help them with.
1: Hey, you know what's interesting about that? Uh, I remember, you know, Zig Ziglar made a big impact on me early in my life. You know, I remember something he said about management and leadership. He said, if you help people get what they want out of life, you'll get what you want out of life as a leader. And what's cool about what you just said is you were excited about, about communicating to them that they're achieving you know, another another goal in their life and that you have a role in helping that and then and then you're also excited about the fact that who whoever these people are that you're you're excited to have them on your team and that you know it's you know building a strong team man that's the key to success isn't it
2: oh yes sir um, you're only as strong as your team that's what the fire department is built on and that's what I I don't want to ever lose sight on that it's not ever an I did this and I did that it's a we um, and you try to incorporate uh, your command staff, uh, that's my team. So I try to get their opinions. Um, they had a heavy, uh, a heavy role in deciding these two, and I don't ever plan on stopping that. They will always yeah. have an opinion, and it's going to be valued, and, and we're going to always do it as a team effort making these, these important decisions.
1: Well, Chief Nicholas Geyser, from the Biloxi uh, Fire Department. I've really enjoyed hearing your story. I look forward to meeting you in person uh, whenever we, we can see each other. And uh, we'll stay in touch with each other because the work that you guys are doing is so important. We're in the midst of the of the hurricane season. Who knows where the season is going to take us? But it's been a pleasure, my friend.
2: Yes, sir. I've loved it. Uh, thanks for having me on.
1: You bet. Thanks for sharing your story. We'll see. Uh, well, anyway, have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow.
2: Yes, sir.
0: Supertalk Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.